Now, we are delighted tonight to have a number uh, who are taking part, and I'm going to ask um, Matthew Crawford to come, and he's going to read to us from Matthew chapter 1, very appropriate, Matthew, uh, verses 18 to 25, and then immediately after that, we have a quintet that's coming to sing. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thy son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, <clears throat> Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth his, her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus.
appreciate that. Um, Dr. Greenfield just whispered to me that um, I could join them and then that'd be six people, but I couldn't remember what six people were supposed to be, so I thought, right, no, I'll not bother. Uh, I really appreciated that. Uh, we're going to ask uh, Ryan Malone. Uh, where are you, Ryan? You're going to come and read to us from Luke chapter 2, 1 to 14. Thank you. I came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was made from when Serenius was governor of Syria, and all went out to be taxed, every one in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, and unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his spouse's wife, being great with the child. And it, was also, and it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields keeping watch over the flock by night. And though the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, and behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you a child is born this day in the city of David, a Saviour which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards people. Thank you. I have another treat for you. Um, Dr. Greenfield is going to minister to us in song, but he's going to be accompanied this time by his daughter. So we're going to ask Anne uh, Crawford to come up, and she's going to assist her father. That's great. Now, many, many years ago, I was reminded of this just the other day, I recorded a gospel tape in what was called the old Guilford Mill in Guilford. <laughs> uh, we recorded some tapes in those days by a brother, Mr. Ivan Doak, and all the money in those days went to um, our sister Margaret Russell, which was out on the mission field, and uh, Anne and Paul and Yumi sang on that gospel tape. And then I was thinking, you know, one week there I was in Dunworry, I was in the, in the school, and I was telling the children about a gospel tape, and they all looked at me blank. 
and I had to explain what a gospel tape was. You have to be a certain age to remember a gospel tape. But here's a wee gospel hymn. Um, <clears throat> see if we can sing it. In a manger far away, once the Prince of Glory lay, but the kings of earth were not the Savior Crawford's now going to come and read to us from Luke 2, verses 15 to 20. Thank you, Stephen. Luke chapter 2, 15 to 20. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by them, by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Dr. Greenfield is going to minister to us now again. I'm feeling a bit lonely now. I was nearly on a boy band earlier on there. <laughs> I had a jet. I was thinking of Mr. McLaughlin was speaking about uh, a quintet and a sextet and octet and all those things. Years ago in the Cool Men's Mission, uh, the late Sammy Spence, he was telling about the meeting next week. And he says, there's a group coming. He says, I don't know whether they're a trio or a four-o or a five-o. But he said, there'll be a group here next week. I think I drink this water. It's good water here, but carried off. They must pay your rates. Here's a wee gospel hymn, the Christmas theme. And you'll know the chorus of it. It's an old-fashioned one. And the chorus says, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. He is my friend. 
through to the end. He gave himself to redeem me, Jesus, wonderful Lord. So if you know the chorus, join in and sing it. If you know the whole hymn, join in and sing it. <clears throat> Born among cattle in
prophet said his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And when you think about who he is and what he had even in eternity, we marvel that the Lord Jesus should come into this world to save sinners such as you and me. Why did Jesus give of heaven's glory for this world of sin and misery? Why did Jesus suffer in the garden? Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Thank you, Mark. So Matthew chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, uh, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Amen. We do thank Mark for reading to us from Matthew chapter 2. Uh, let me just take the opportunity to welcome all of you and thank you for coming tonight. And it's really, really good uh, to be able to come together in such a time as this. I do want to welcome back, of course, my mother-in-law who's been ill and my brother-in-law as well uh, for the first time. And we're really glad to see him. And I'm really delighted, of course, that Joanna is back home from Miami uh, for Christmas. And it's really good to see Beulah in and uh, whoever else is visiting with us, we bid you warmly welcome. Wherever you've come from, near or far, we're really delighted to see you. And I just want to thank all who have taken part tonight. Mark McLaughlin's going to come now and read from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. I thought his sister was just going to take over there, but uh, she, she declined. Thank you, Mark. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, the life was the light of the man. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man, as there was a man, sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the Son of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. We thank Mark for this reading, and we thank all the young people who have participated tonight. Now, for a very short time, we're just going to have a little prayer, and then I'm going to share some thoughts with you from the word of God. Um, at this point, I want to mention the tea. And we do invite you all to join with us for a cup of tea and a little bit of fellowship. So please don't feel you have to rush off. And we would be delighted to get to know you that little bit better. If you don't know somebody, just introduce yourself to them and make yourself known. And that would be very good. And, and, and that especially applies to the young people. Okay? Um, we could do a bit of matchmaking here, Dr. Greenfield. <laughs> that would be great. Amen. Right, let's have a little prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for thy presence with us. We thank you, Lord, for these old hymns whereby we have praised and worshipped thee. We thank you for the ministry and song, and especially thy servant and his family members. And Lord, what a blessing and a treat it has been. And we're thankful for the readings from the word of God. And we know thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we pray, Lord, you'll apply your word as we have read and thought about especially the birth of Christ. We want to give thee thanks for this most historical, most significant, and most important event in the history of our world. We thank thee for the Christ child, his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And, O oh God, as we close this service now by drawing attention to thy word, come by the Holy Spirit, apply thy word, cleanse me in the blood, and give me the ability and power of thy Holy Spirit to preach thy word as a dying man to dying men and women. For we ask it tonight. For Jesus' sake, amen. Now, my text this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 15, that was read for us by our brother uh, Mark Strong. And I want to take as my theme this evening three typical reactions 
to the birth of Christ. Now, Matthew chapter 2 contains a very clear, definitive statement about the birth of Christ. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Here is the most significant historical event in the history of the world. There was a moment in the history of the world, a day, a time in the history of the world, when Jesus Christ was born of that very uh, Virgin Mary. Uh, And in the very day of his birth, his earthly life commenced as far as we uh, know it. Now, I want to ask the question, in light of the birth of Christ, a birth that fulfilled many promises, a birth that demonstrates God's power, a birth that reveals God's pity and proclaims God's purposes in the world, a question I want to leave with you this Christmas time is this, how do you react to this news? How do you react to the birth of Christ? You see, Christmas time's connected to the birth of Christ. It's not just about shopping. It's not just about giving and receiving gifts. It's not just about having parties and getting together as a family for food around the table. But remember, there's a reason for the season. And our mindset is that Christ is the reason for the season. Now, we don't know exactly uh, when he was born. We wouldn't say it was the 25th day of December. It may have been October, November. And why do we say that? Because that would be the latest time that shepherds would be out in the fields of the Judean hillside minding their sheep. But what we want to think about tonight is this. How do we react? How do we respond to the birth of Christ? And as I read Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 15, I, I thought of three typical reactions to the birth of Christ. And then I thought to myself, well, how do we react to the birth of Christ? I want you to learn firstly from this passage that there's apathy to the birth of Christ. Listen to what we read in verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Verse 5, And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art now not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You see, when the wise men came to Herod, and they came asking, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and has come to worship him. Um, we learned that these things troubled Herod and all of Jerusalem with him. So what he did was he had a council. And he gathered the chief priests, he called for the scribes, and as the Bible says, he demanded of them, it's not a strong word, where Christ should be born. And I want you to notice that they opened up the scriptures, and they pointed him to Micah chapter 5, and in the verse 2, this is about 500 years before Christ. And this is what Micah 5 and 2 says. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So we ask the question, where should Christ be born? What place? Then it's identified as Bethlehem, the the house of bread. And we know the person that was born there. And we know the power that was demonstrated in his birth. And we know about the purpose of his birth. I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And we know that there's pity in the mercy of God for all peoples. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And all these elements are bound up in that particular prophecy of Micah 5 and 2. 
We understand from the scriptures then Christ is to be born in Bethlehem, that he's to be born a ruler, a governor, a deliverer, a, a savior of men, and that his goings forth have been from of old, even from everlasting. And I want you to understand that Micah 5 and 2 is all related to the savior. So when he asked the question, or when he demanded of the chief priests and scribes where Christ should be born, they found the answer in the Bible. They, they turned to the Holy Scriptures. They said, here it is written in God's revealed word. Now I put it to you tonight that these chief priests and scribes, they had a head knowledge of the scriptures. They gave a very intellectual and a very intelligent answer. They didn't mock. They didn't deny that Christ was to be born. They didn't say it's Impossible or it's not going to happen. No, they set forth a truth based on the Bible. And yet tonight, for all their knowledge, they had no real interest in Christ. They had no desire to go to Bethlehem. They weren't going to leave Jerusalem and travel the short distance. They, they didn't want to go and see him. They didn't seek for him and find him with all their heart. Now, do you think of this? The Christ was the anointed one of God, the ruler that was to come, the governor, the savior, the deliverer, whose goings forth have been from everlasting. If they understood the prophecy aright, you would have thought that we would have a desire for him. But they hadn't. There was apathy at the birth of Christ. It isn't that like many today when we think of the Christ of Christmas. Mark read for us, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. When he was born, there was no room for him. And then there's a little hymn that asked the question, have you any room for Jesus? But many don't. They have no real deep saving interest in him. Oh, at Christmas time, they might hear the story of the shepherds. They might learn about the wise men. They might even talk about Mary, the Virgin Mary. They might even talk about the angels. They'll come to a carol service. They'll listen to the Bible reading. But it, it, it'll mean nothing or little to them. Why? Because they're not true born-again believers. It'll be a nice story with a good moral lesson. As far as it goes, they'll have a head knowledge. But their heart is full of apathy. They're like Gallio. They, they did not care for these things. They, they have room for business, room for pleasure, room for money, room for sport, room for politics, but for Christ. And I, I have a question tonight, and it's this. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? If he's God's son manifest in the flesh, the savior of the world, then what impact at all has that had in your life? Does it make a difference to your thinking, to, to your behavior, to your lifestyle? Or is it just one of apathy tonight? You see, here's one of the reactions to the birth of Christ. I said there was three, and here's one of them. Apathy. And how many are just apathetic tonight? And not only perhaps you in the church, and you have a head knowledge of the things of God, but how many out there in society don't even have a head knowledge of the things of God because of the things of God are foreign to them, neither do they want to know. I want to show you something else in this passage of Scripture. Here's a second reaction. There's antagonism to the birth of Christ. If you look at the scripture, it says in verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now you see, Matthew 2, verses 1 to 15 and beyond is a story of two kings. You've got the, the king of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got another king here called King Herod. Herod was known as Herod the Great. So when people talked about Herod, they talked about Herod the Great. Just as they talked about Ivan the Terrible. Just as they talked about uh, Ethelhead the Unready. Or James the Less. The adjective that they used to describe something about the character. And Herod the Great originated from Edom. He was a descendant of Esau. The descendants of Esau hated the Jews. So he was the king on the throne in those days. 
And of course, many of the Jews didn't like him. Did you know that the name Herod means hero? Or it could mean a champion or a conqueror. You see, Herod was really a proud, boastful, cruel man. He was described as a monster who had committed every sin. A man of brute lust, a man of cruelty. He fell out with his wife and he murdered her. He had three sons and he thought they were plotting against him. And he murdered them too. And remember at the birth of Christ. He was the one that ordered the murder of all babies under two, all male children, in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. Of course, he was trying to kill the Christ child. I want to tell you something else about him. He was an architect. And he was known for many fine buildings that were built in his day. He, he built a great palace for himself called Herod's Palace. He used slave labor. He taxed the Jews heavily, which they hated. Of course, you've got Herod's temple. And he had a number of other theaters built. And he, he helped to build Caesarea on the coast. And yet we read, he was troubled. That means he was agitated. That means he was upset. That means he was annoyed. That means he was shaking like a leaf. And, and, and what troubled him? He, he was troubled not only at the uh, men who were before him, the wise men... But he was troubled at their message. Because what was their message? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, Herod knew he was a usurper. Herod realized there's another king born. And that king's got a kingdom. And he's the king of the Jews. And I'm an Edomite. And, and, and the Jews hate me and I hate them. And of course, Herod was not only troubled, but he influenced others because it says, and all Jerusalem with him. This man was playing a game. The game of a concern seeker. He was acting out a part. But all the while, his heart was full of murder. Remember what he says to the wise men here? He, he, he says to them, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you find him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. But of course, he didn't want to worship him. His heart was full of murder. And the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. And here's the true state and condition of Herod's heart. He was troubled, shaking like a leaf in light of the news of the birth of Christ. Faced with the dilemma personal dilemma. There's one born king. I'm exposed as usurper. His, of course, sinful life was exposed. He was afraid the people would revolt. He would lose his position, lose his palaces, lose his power. So therefore he was antagonistic to Christ. And isn't there many today like Herod? They're, they're troubled at the news of the birth of Christ. They have a, an angry spirit, a militant spirit against them. They make many hard speeches. They, they rail against them. And, and, and how many are antagonistic because they, they, of course, know that they're sinners and they need to be saved and they've got a, an immortal soul. But, but for fear of losing popularity or losing position or, or losing their possessions, they, 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 they are antagonistic to Christ. Their attitude is, we'll have not this man to, to reign over us. And, and of course, when they sin against the law, they, they don't, uh, aren't ashamed. They, they, they don't know to blush. Their conscience is seared. Um, this man was really a hypocrite. He had murder in his heart, yet all the while pretending to worship. And how many are like him tonight? No thought of sin, no thought of their soul, no thought of salvation. They live in defiance of Christ. There's a story told about D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist. He said he was outside a bar one night. And this man staggered out of the pub, very drunk. He was giving out some gospel tracts, speaking to people about their soul. And the man who came out of the pub says to Moody, how far is it to hell, preacher? And this was his response, just a heartbeat. 
He said to the man, if you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am, you cannot be. He urged him to repent and get right with God. The man rode off on his horse. He hadn't gone very far. When something spooked the horse, the horse threw him and the man was instantly killed. See, let's remember, God is not mocked. Whatso a man sows, that shall he also reap. Remember, Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is your heart and mind antagonistic to Christ? Are you like Herod, full of deceit? On the one hand, you make a pretense, even a pretense of being religious, but you're not regenerate. A, a pretense that you're, you're, you're moral, but, but the true state and condition of your heart, if it was laid bare, is just as Jeremiah describes it. The heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. I want to tell you one final thing. Here's the third reaction. There's an acceptance of the birth of Christ. Listen to what these wise men said. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And we read in verse 9, and when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's a third reaction to the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ was revealed to a few individuals. Joseph, revealed to Mary, revealed to the shepherds, revealed to the wise men, revealed to the shepherds by an angel, revealed to the wise men by the star. Did you ever think of why the shepherds and why the wise men? I believe that the shepherds represented the Jews. I believe that the wise men from the far east represented the Gentile world. See, see, Christ came into the world to, to save Jews and Gentiles. Christ came in to save all that will trust him as Lord and Savior. Uh, the, the, the Jews represented, or the shepherds rented, represented those that were near. The wise men represented those that were far away. I, I, and yet... Christ come to reveal himself to those that were near and those that were far away from him. These wise men knew his star. It's called his star. I believe it was a supernatural star. And these wise men, they sought Jesus. And as a little bumper sticker in the car says, wise men sought Jesus, they still do. See, nothing could stop these wise men from coming to Christ. Yes, they went to the wrong place, Jerusalem. They, they, they went to the wrong person, Herod the Great. But they kept on seeking. And when they got the word of God, Christ is born in Bethlehem. They didn't give up. They, they weren't put off. The Bible tells us there in verse 11. And when they were come into the house, it's widely believed that Christ, uh, when he was born and had, had left, uh, 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 of course, Bethlehem and was now back in Nazareth. Uh, uh, and um, it, it was there in the house that, that they um, presented unto him the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. The gift of gold represents deity. They recognized him as the son of God. Uh, frankincense, of course, um, rep represents his priesthood. It's for burning of incense to do with prayer. And the myrrh, of course, is a gift fit for the king. Threefold, three things they realized about him. That, that he's, he, he, he's God in the flesh. He, he, he's God's prophet, God's priest and God's king. And they worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary. The Bible says, and fell down and worshipped him. Now let me ask you as we close tonight. What is your reaction to Christ? Is it one of apathy? Is it one of antagonism? Or is it one of acceptance? Because you've realized who he is. And you've used the light that God has given you. They were led by his star. And they followed it to it brought them to the place where he was. And they fell down and worshipped him. Will you use the light that God has given you? The light of the scriptures? The light of these old hymns that we've been singing? Ah, will you come to him tonight? Have you room for him? That, that you will worship him? And you will welcome him? 
And, and you will want to walk with him. And, and you'll want to, to witness for him. You see, everything points to him. And if you're brought to a church service, young person, if you're brought up in a godly home with a father and mother that saved and loved the Lord, if someone in the street gives you a tract, if you're going past an open air and you hear a word of God, or you're in a car and somebody's using something to, to, to sing, some sort of tape, whether it's Dr. Greenfield or some other CD, and you're listening to it, you see, all that's designed by God providentially to point you to Christ, that you might know him, that you might welcome him to your life, that, that you might worship him, that, that, that you might want to walk and live and witness for him. That's what we mean by acceptance. Mark read for us as we finish, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the right to become the sons of God even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, as we rejoice that Christ is the reason for the season, I want to ask you, what is your attitude to him? Is it one of apathy? That your heart's cold and careless? You're so callous, you don't really care. You just live for sin and self. Is it one of antagonism? Isn't there a lot of antagonism today towards Christ? Especially in our universities. Especially in the upper echelons of society. Especially among the great and good. Or is it one of acceptance? These wise men teach us a very valuable lesson. The acceptance of Christ. Will you be like them tonight? If you haven't come to him, if you haven't realized your sin or repented or received Christ, then we urge you tonight to come and accept him just as you are, that he might be your Lord and might be your Savior. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.